0: All right, so let's learn. All right, so let, let's begin with uh, talking about something that we do every day, and then we'll we'll see how it relates to the parashah and what about the Hashem we can learn from it. We know that in the morning, so one of the first things a person does is uh, go to the bathroom. That's Baruch Hashem, person should be zayikah to do that helpfully. So we know that the halach is you go to the bathroom, you know, you, you wash your hands. It's you time. It's on, and You say Ashi Yotzer, right? You say Ashi Yotzer. Now there's another bracha that we say in the morning. Uh, now, obviously, ashiyats are something you say throughout the day when you go to the bathroom. Uh, but specific to the morning, there's another bracha that we say when you wake up, which is, alakai neshama, right? alakai neshama Hashem. the neshama you gave me is pure, you've you breathed it into me, you uh, injected it into me, and uh, and, uh, you know, and you'll return it to me with chiyas thanking Hashem for one's neshama. That's alakai neshama. Now, what's interesting is, is that the bracha of alakai neshama, ends with Baruch HaTah Hashem Amach zi neshama that Hashem returns the neshama to dead bodies that's, it ends with the bracha, but it doesn't start with Baruch HaTah Hashem so because of that the Shulchan Aruch that one should try to say a lakai neshama right after a previous bracha because by making it a bracha that's smuch l'chavrta making it a bracha that's connected to a previous bracha so then there's a flow and the fact that it doesn't start with Baruch Hashem would then be legitimate because it's flowing from a previous Baruch ha. So, and what Baruch ha is is um, given as the example that you should connect the Lakai shama to Ashi Yotzar. So you say Ashi Yotzar, which obviously starts with Baruch HaTah Hashem Ashi it ends with Baruch HaTah Hashem Ma'afli Chobosar, Chobos, Ma'afli and then from there you flow into Lakai sham. That's what's recorded in Shulchan That's the order that a person should do. Okay. The question is, again, okay, that, that's obviously in halacha, again, and the reason for that is because, again, a lakai shama doesn't start with barachata, so you want to connect it to a bracha. You could pick, a, it, could, it could be shahakal, it could be whatever bracha you want. happens to be, you're saying ashi anyway in the morning, no. So make, make the connection between those two. In Pneumius, in the writings of the Rizal, in the we find that this was not, this is not a random thing to connect ashi yotzar with L'Kain and There's a very strong inion of connecting those two brachas and it tells us something about our own Avaidah Hashem. So that's question number one, what is the connection between those two brachas and what's the vaida behind it? Okay. In the beginning of our parsha, we have the Maisa of Yaakov Vinu is now uh, older, much older, and he sees his end coming so he, it's told to Yisrael Tzaddik that Yaakov Vinu is sick and he's old and uh, you know the end is near. So Yaakovina comes to visit Yosef. Atzali comes to visit Yaakov. Right? That's what we have. The pasuk says, "The equal of The Yosef that Yaakovina calls Yosef for Yomerloi, and he says to him the following thing. He says, "V'shachavti mavoisai Again, let's keep. di emes. You should do for me a kindness. What's the type that I'm asking from you? Alna sikkreinu mitzrayim. I don't want to be buried in Egypt. So after I pass away, I want you to bring me to Israel." I want to rest with my fathers. You take me out of Egypt, and bury me in Maris Machpela in Chevron. And so Yosef says, I'm going to do what you ask 100%. But then, Yosef, then Yaakov says, Swear to me that you're going to do that. So Yosef swears, and Yosef bows down to, towards Yosef to the head of the bed. That's the story couple of questions. First of all, for Chazal already pick up on this, is that once Yaakov makes the request of Yosef, please make sure that I don't remain buried here, I want to be buried in Yisrael. And Yaakov, and Yosef says, yes, 100%. So why is Yaakov not satisfied with that? Yaakov says, no, he shoveled, I want you to swear to me that you're going to listen. And Yosef, Yosef agrees, fine, I'll swear. The question is, why didn't Yosef... Why, why didn't Yaakov trust Yosef when he said, oh, I'm going to do it? Uh, uh, anyone wouldn't uh, go back on their word, especially at Sadiq, like Yosef. Why the inion of taking an oath? Now, the, the truth is, one, one explanation you can give, which might be hinted to already in Pesukim later on, is that Yaakov Avinu already was worried that of course, Yosef is going to do everything he can to get me out of Mitzrayim, to bury me there, but Pare is not going to be happy with this because Pare knew how great Yaakov Inu was, and he's going to want to make a shrine of Yaakov Inu and keep Yaakov in Egypt. Therefore, Yosef Tzaddik, is, therefore, Yaakov wants Yosef to take an oath. <coughs> Because if Yo- once Yosef swears on it, then already Paro is going to say, okay, listen, he swore, uh, you know, he, Paro took, he was very superstitious about this stuff. So fine, once he took an oath, then already Paro would be convinced of this to allow him to go. And the truth is, we do find this, that later on in, in the Parsha, when Yaakov t- passes away, and Yosef tells Paro that my father asked me to bury him in Egypt, so Paro says, do as you swore, do as you swore. The indication being that maybe that's the only reason why Paro said yes, is because he took the oath. And in fact, later on in that Pasuk, when Paro says, do as you swore, Rashi makes a point of it and says, oh, because Yosef swore, now Paro is, (coughs) felt like the pressure of of having to say yes because Yosef swore. So you could say that was the reason why Yaakov did it from the beginning. The problem is, is that the Mepharshim point this out, is that Rashi only makes that point later on. It sounds like it just worked out beautifully that, you know, now the pressure was put on Paro to say yes. But in the original Pasach, in the beginning of the Parsha, when Yaakov makes Yosef swear, Rashi doesn't preempt, preemptively say, oh and by the way, the reason why he's doing this is to put the pressure on Paro, as we'll see later on. It sounds like it just happened to be that it puts pressure on Paro and it worked out nicely. But the reason why Yaakov makes Yosef swear is not purely for that. It was for its own thing that he wanted Yosef to swear. So the question is why? What was, it, what was it about this request that Yaakov Avinu felt a shvu was necessary? That's number one. Number two, in the way that, Yaakov, that Yosef takes the oath, it's, it says in Pasuk that Yaakov Avinu requests of him, simna tachas yirechi, put your hand underneath my thigh. In other words, hold on to my bris milah, and then you'll be able to take an oath. What is this ending of holding on to the bris milah? So we know there is an idea that when a person takes an oath on a biblical level, Let's say in Bezden, right? Let's say Reuven is accusing Shimon of uh, owing him money, whatever the case may be, and he's obligated to take an oath to, uh, you know, to prove his innocence. So there's sometimes the oath is mid and sometimes the oath is midraisa. When it's d the halach is, there's an idea of Nikita's chafetz. The person taking the oath holds on to an object of holiness, a pair of tefillin, a sefer Torah, but even the guy have a parallel, right? put their hand on a Bible. Nikita's chafetz. So that's what Yaakov Avinu is asking Yosef to do as well. You might, I want you to take an oath, I want it to be stark. So there's no tfilm, there's no safety in those days. The object of holiness was the brismila, the brismila of Yaakov Avinu. The question is as follows There is a big machlagis amongst the Paiskim whether this idea of holding on to an object of holiness when you take an oath whether that has to be done when you take an oath from the Torah, or that's something that can be asked of the person taking the oath, but it doesn't have to be done. In other words, one side of the argument, that many are going to go with this, is that according to the Torah, an oath is only considered an oath if the guy is holding on to an object of holiness. Okay, in that case, then fine. For whatever reason, as we have to explain, Yaakov is asking Yosef to take an oath, and an oath from the Torah means holding on to an object of Kedusha. But the other side, many hold not like that, that really, according to the Torah, any time a person takes an oath is an oath. There is an idea that if I want to make this guy, if I'm worried that maybe he's going to swear falsely and I want to, me, I want to scare him and make and sort of show him that the oath is like a serious thing, so I have the right to, to demand of him to hold on to an object of Kedusha if I'm concerned that he's not taking it seriously enough. Now, according to that, then it's very difficult. Yaakov is asking Yosef to hold on to Brismila. Why? If that's what an oath is, okay, then that's what an oath is. But if you say that an oath is just verbal, why would you ever ask someone to hold on to an object of Dusha if you're worried that he's not taking it seriously enough? Is Yaakov concerned that Yosef is not taking this, the, the oath seriously? So the whole thing is, is appellate. Why B'chalal make him take an oath? Why is his word of when Yosef said, I'll do as you ask me to do, why is that not enough? And then, even after you make him take an oath, why do you have to go the extra mile of asking him to hold on to an object of Kedusha, which according to many right, is unnecessary? It's only there to scare the guy. You're scaring Yosef, he's not taking, he wouldn't take a Shavuah seriously? So, what's going on over here? So, again, yeah, he has the Chesed right? right, kindness, but once you would think that, once Yosef says yes, and he's and he's taking an oath like that. That's that's all you should need. I mean, the more you ask of Yosef, the more a little bit not to say chutzpah, because it's a father to a son, but it's a little bit like, come on, dad, like you don't you, know, you trust me? I, I said yes, I swear, okay, and not just we hold on to a safe diary. You know, it's like I, trust me, I'm going to take care of it. Like, what's the issue? What's going on here? The Another thing that we have to think about. Then we'll tie it all together is that we do find a very big difference between Yaakov and Yosef in terms of how they wanted themselves to be taken care of after they died. Yaakov was is very clear, very clear. He does not want to spend an extra minute in Mitzrayim if he doesn't have to. The second I die, I want to be out of here. As soon as I'm ready for my body to be prepared, I want to be out of here. Even going into Mitzrayim, when Yaakov knew that Yosef is waiting for him and his son after 22 years, even Yaakov is hesitant to go to Mitzrayim. The Rabbani has to tell him, you have to go, I'm going to be with you, I guarantee you'll get out. Yaakov Evinu does not want to be in Mitzrayim at all. Yaakov Avinu wants to connect to Eretz Yisrael. What's interesting is, is that Yosef also makes requests request at the end of the parsha when he passes away from his brothers and so on, I want to be out of here. But, Yo- but, ya- but Yosef doesn't say, get me out right away. Yosef says, when the Jewish people come out of Golas, take me with you. Why this difference of Yaakov Avinu saying, I don't, I don't want to be in Mitzrayim even for a second, and Yosef is, I'm going to be in Mitzrayim, but just take me out with you when you, when you all leave. What's the, why that difference? Okay, so it's like this. Mitzrayim is a place. Obviously, it's a physical place. It's the first exile the Jewish people were ever collectively in. So the Jewish people entering into Mitzrayim, you have to understand, these are not just historical events, these are, these are truths that exist to this day. Klal entering into Mitzrayim is reflective of the neshama of a Jew entering into the guf, Because if you think about it, there's no greater exile to the neshama than the physical body. What's going on before we were born in this world? Neshama and neshama, ganeidon, infinite, mamish infinite. And all of a sudden... It, it's constricted. The greatest constriction, the greatest, the greatest prison for a soul is a physical body. The word Mitzrayim comes from the word Meitzar, which means constriction. The Jewish people were constricted in Egypt. We were bound. We were bound to slavery. A slave means only do this. You can't. You don't have free range to do whatever you want. I'm telling you what to do, and you can only do that. No, the neshama on its own has infinite koyches. infinite karches. But now that the neshama is put into a body, it's now constricted. And it could only do so much. So the neshama on its own should be able to fly from one the universe to the other. And now that it's constricted in the body, you're stuck to your Daladamas. And if you, uh, you know, and, and at best you could travel a little bit and so on. It's very constricted. <clears throat> no. What's the purpose of the neshama being sent into the body? What's the purpose of this slavery in its rhyme? So we all know, this is not a khirish, the purpose of why the neshama is sent into the gof is in order for the neshama to influence the guf, in order for the neshama to purify the guf, in order to refine the guf, and slowly but surely, as it's for 120 years, Ben as associated with the body, and enmeshed with the body, the body becomes more soul thick. The body becomes more elevated, more holy. That's the purpose. The inyan of Yosef atzadik, the inyan of Yosef atzadik, remaining buried in Mitzrayim throughout the entire period of our galus there, that is the, 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 the mitziahs, the reality of Yosef Sadig with the Jewish people, gives the Jewish people the ability to not just survive in Mitzrayim, but to actually fulfill our shlichus in Mitzrayim, of elevating that place to the point of where when we leave Mitzrayim, we take Yosef with us for sure, but it says in Pasuk, es Mitzrayim that we emptied Mitzrayim out of all of its kadusha. In other words, that during our time in Mitzrayim, although we were enslaved there, and that it was the last place we wanted to be, but L'maysa, the Jewish people were able, through their enmeshment in Mitzrayim, through their slavery to Mitzrayim, we were able to slowly but surely work through Mitzrayim and redeem from Mitzrayim all the potential Kedusha that was there. And then when we leave Mitzrayim, we're taking with us every, every salvageable part of Egyptian life, of Egyptian culture, of, 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 of the Ruchnius that was contained in, in, in Mitzrayim. And all of that ability of what? Of the Jewish people to accomplish their mission in that constriction of Mitzrayim was because of Yosef Tzadik Yosef has already said, because Yosef was able to remain the tzaddik in Mitzrayim personally. So through Yosef, all the Jewish people were able to remain yidden in Mitzrayim, and as yidden in Mitzrayim, we're actually accomplishing something, not just surviving. We're, 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 we're elevating the, the reality, the physical world of Mitzrayim. But didn't they fall to the hundred percent. And there is, there's... Yeah, it, no? there's no... Right, and that's true. And there's no question about it that there is... Um, Collateral damage that's done. But at the end of the day, this is a little bit of a, of a, a paradoxical reality, that on the one hand, we did fall to low places, but Mitzat Shani, when we got out, we, Chazal do say this, we did take out with us all the nitzusikdush, all the sparks, all the, mission accomplished. I, okay, I guess in the, in the coming weeks, we'll talk about that more, how that dynamic can work, that you can be in the lowest place and still mission accomplished. Well, it's not, it's not uh, mutual exclusive. Just was was like was still at, at right, but I'm saying, but and then and, and, and even Davka being in those places and right. struggling and doing the best he can in those places. That's exactly that's that's mission accomplished. Look. now again, let, let now let's understand the Jewish people's survival in Mitzrayim, which is due to Yisroel tzaddik's remaining there, not just not just not just paving the way initially, but remaining there, allowing his guf to remain there throughout the entire period of our giving us the, on a national level the ability to thrive in Mitzrayim. Is reflective, and that establishes the Jewish neshama's ability to thrive and to be successful in the guf, right? Because again, Claudius Yisrael Mitzrayim equals neshama in the guf, and Claudius Yisrael Mitzrayim were successful, mission accomplished, because of Yosef Atzadik at being there. Both he was there preceding the exile, and he's there during the exile. So therefore, the nesham, every single one of us. Our ability to be successful in our mission of, of refining our bodies, of tikkun amidas, of imchazik our physical life, and, and, and bringing kedusha to our physical life, and our neshama influencing our body, and not vice versa, is because of yisvat Sadik. It's because of the Jewish people's success in its Mitzrayim. But all of this ultimately needs some needs needs something else to, to, to help it out. See, our neshama that's in our body is only in truth a small percentage of our neshama. The neshama that fills our body is a small percentage. The, actu- the, the sharsh neshama the root of who you are, is way above the body. The, the, if Yosef represents the neshama in the gulf, the, the part of the neshama that enters into the body, Yaakov Avinu represents the root of the neshama that does not enter into the body. And this is ultimately the dynamic between Yaakov and Yosef. Yaakov and Yosef, we find there to be a lot of connections, right? Eil told us Yaakov Yosef, Yosef tzaddik was the most beloved to Yaakov Evinu. Yaakov Evinu and Yosef represent, in a, in a, in a larger scale, Nishmas Israel. But every neshama has two parts to it. There's the part of your neshama which is in your Guth, and there's the part of your neshama which is, which is higher than, than your goth, which is still in Shemaim, still in Gan Eden. That's where it's coming from. And ultimately, this is what Yaakov Evinu's role... In his relationship to Yosef and his relationship to each and every one of us is, is that ultimately what gives the the neshama the strength to be able to handle being in the guf, is because there's a major part of it that's not in the guf, and the neshama that's in the guf, the Yosef tzaddik, that that quality of Yisroel tzaddik intuitively knows and feels that it's not from planet Earth. See what what allows the neshama to be successful in influencing the body, is, always, is, is, is because the neshama always remembers that it's not a citizen on planet Earth, it's not a human being, it's coming from somewhere else. And what ensures the fact that it always retains that memory of where it came from is the fact that, it ma- that, uh, that uh, the, the, the vast majority of, of, of the neshama is in fact still where, it co- where it's coming from. This is what's going on, where Yosef HaTzadik's inyan is to be in Mitzrayim, Right and giving the neshama of the Jewish person the strength to be in the guf and to elevate the guf and to influence the guf and not vice versa, Yaakov Venus inyan is not to be in the shrine. Yaakov Venus inyan is what is to be connected still with Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael. If Mitzrayim means the physical body, the guf, that's the constriction of the Jewish neshama, Eretz means Ganeiden. Eretz Yisrael means the world that, that comes before this place. Eretz Yisrael means what was before the chaos of Olam Hazel, what's before the constriction of Egypt, where we come from and where ultimately we end up. And so Yaakov Avinu's zavoida is to, to remind the Yosef HaTzadik that that's not where you come from in Egypt. You come from Eretz Yisrael. And this is what's going on over here. Yaakov Evinu is not just making the request that I want to remain in Eretz Yisrael and immediately the second, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when you're ready, I want to be buried in Eretz Yisrael, I don't want to wait at all. It's, it, that not only, that's not just a personal request. He's making that request of Yosef atsadik. He's making the y- Yosef, who means the Nisham in the Goth, is now given the task to make sure that the root of the neshama remains in Eretz Yisrael. In other words, it's in, what Yaakovin is trying to do is instill and inject in Yosef Hatzavik's mind this sense that that's not where you come from. Where you come from is Eretz Yisrael. Where you come from is somewhere higher. And be, and to the extent that you remind yourself and you remember the fact that you are not an American, you are not from planet Earth, you are not a human being, you are not a body, the more you remember that that that... that even the percentage of the neshama that's in the guf ultimately comes from a much higher place and is still connected to that higher place. That's what's going to give Yosef Sadik the ability to be successful now. But if Yosef leaves, then the, then the is talking and You're right. That's why Yosef does not leave until we're all ready to go. So Yosef Sadik remains because Yosef Sadik's Indian is to be the neshama in the guf. But in order for the neshama in the guf to be successful, the neshama in the guf has to always have the sense and a reminder that that's not where it's from. Where it's really from is from a place that's above the guf, and the majority of who it is is still in that place that's above the guf. This is why Yaakov was not satisfied for Yosef just to say, yes, I'll, I'll bring you to Eretz Yisrael. He needs Yosef to take an oath. Why? Because, see, the difference is like this. If, if you ask me to do you a favor and I say yes, then I'm not, Then my responsibility to, to keep my word only kicks in when the situation comes for me to keep my word. But it's not something that's on me right now, every single second, thinking about finding the opportunity to keep my word. See, when, Yosef, when Yaakov asked Yosef, do me a favor, if that's what he asked, do me a favor, when I die, bury me in, in, in Mitzrayim, and Yosef says 100%, percent. of course Yosef is going to do it. But the obligation to bury Yaakov in Mitzrayim would then only kick in when the opportunity arises after Yaakov's death. Now he's, now the opportunity is that you have to bury him, so now you bury him. By making him take an oath, it's, it's weaving the obligation into Yosef HaTzadik right now. That's what it means to take an oath. Once Yosef HaTzadik takes an oath, it means that right now he is mechuyiv. Already now to bury Yaakov after he dies, you understand? Like right now, Yosef Tzaddik is now thinking about and anticipating the opportunity to fulfill his oath. That's the difference. It, without an oath, he's not anticipating now the opportunity to fulfill anything. When the opportunity comes and Yaakov Inu dies, and now then, then I'll have to bury him. But right now, it's not like Yaakov, Yosef is, is losing sleep over the fact that he has an oath on his head. By making him take an oath, it's binding him to that. He, it's putting it, it's binding Yosef HaTzadik now to this Indian of Eretz Yisrael. you understand? And that's what Yaakov Avinu's intention was. That's why he makes him take an oath, not just an oath, but to hold on to the object of Yaakov Avinu. To hold on to Yaakov Avinu, because that's what the oath was about. It was about connecting Yosef with Yaakov. That the neshama in the guf should be deeply connected to the part of the neshama that's not in the guf. And by having that connection, that's what's enabling the neshama in the guf to do its job. Because the neshama in the guf will never allow itself to become completely lost in the world of the body because it knows that it's not from the body. Because it's connected to Yaakov, that part of the neshama that's above the guf. We know this on a very simple level, right? The nations of the world have a way of reminding us that we're not not from them. So there's always two ways to do that. Either the guf could remind you that you're not a guf, or the neshama remembers that it's a neshama because it's connected to a Yaakov Vino that's coming from Eretz Yisrael, that's above Mitzrayim. This is what you do in the morning. Every morning, when you make those two brachas of Asher Yotzar, flowing into all neshama, kind of that's what's going on. Asher Yatzar is a bracha that's not just thanking Hashem for going to the bathroom. Asher Yotzar is a much larger bracha than that. The opportunity that you use to make that bracha is when you go to the bathroom. But what you're actually thanking Hashem for is what? Is the concept of neshama in the guf. That's what the bracha of Asher Yatzar is. That the Rabbi Hashem, you created this wondrous creature called the human being, which is lasis, which is a pelle, which is a wonder. And despite the fact that there's all sorts of orifices and holes and highways and byways in the body, the neshama still retains itself in the body. That's what the brach is about. It's about the connection between body and soul. And what's the purpose of that connection? The purpose of that connection is for the neshama to elevate the body. And how does it do that? By reminding itself that there's a, vast, that there's a much larger part of the neshama that's not in the guf that's a lakai neshama, shenasatabit to A lakai neshama, to if ashi yotzer is a bracha about the neshama that's in the guf, a lakai neshama is a bracha about the neshama that's not in the guf. And, the, and which, so now ashi yotzer is Yosef, and a lakai neshama is Yaakov. That's what's going on. So ashi yotzer is thanking Hashem Rabbanu Shalom. And, by, and again, remember, by saying ashi yotzer, it's not just that you're thanking Hashem for this. That bracha brings with it spiritual energy to the neshama in your Guth. By saying nashayats in the morning, you are strengthening the Yaisuvat Sadik within you to withstand all the difficulties of Mitzrayim, giving the strength of your neshama to overwhelm the body and to influence the body, not vice versa. But then that neshama that's in your guf then needs to be strengthened, it needs to be, take that oath, that bond. The Yosef has to hold on to the, the mil of Yaakov Vinu, reconnecting it to the part of itself that's above the body. And that's what happens when you say the brach of halakai neshama, she nesat to And that's why that brach of neshama is very much connected to the concept of t'chis ha right? The whole brach is about that, right? Hashem, you gave me a neshama that's pure and holy, and I trust you to return it to me after 120 with tchias amesim. The one person in our people's history that we that we that we have, that we have a tradition that experienced on some level this in of tchias is Yaakov Avinu. In our parasha, right, it says that Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu was buried and so on. We know, that, you know he dies and he buries, but Chazal says such a thing. Our tradition is Yaakov Avinu loy Yaakov didn't die. I, what does it mean? I don't know, but it means, whatever it is, it says Yaakov didn't die. It means that Yaakov was the of tchias amesim. Yaakov is the inyon of, of the neshama existing, regardless of the, regardless of the the, the 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 fininity of the body. See, death means death is something that comes mitzah the body. The body is finite. The body is going to live for 120, and that's it. But the triesa the, the means what? Tchias amesim is a reality. When the neshama is completely, com- it, it's irrelevant the body's frailties. The neshama, it's it's a Yaakov in So Alakai kein neshama shne'asat means a brach that you're reminding yourself that this neshama that's in my body, which is therefore affected by the body and limited by the body, it comes from a much higher place. It comes from a place that's above the limitations of the body, and that's what chesem esem comes from. Chesem comes from the fact that the neshama that we have. Is, is 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 much greater than the part that's contained in the body. It's limited and influenced by the body. It's coming from a much higher place. That's a Ya'akovino. Yakovino leimes. Yakovino tzchiasa mesem. That's the Shama. Whereas the brach of Ashi Yatsar, which is all about Ashi Yotzar as, as-, as-, as- adam bechachma with wisdom, who is associated in Tanakh with wisdom is Yosef Atzadik. It says in pasuk that Yosef was ben zekunim. He was the son of Yaakov in old age. What does Uncle say? What does it mean Ben Zikunim? Not old age. Bar Chakim, that he was the one that Yaakovinu taught wisdom to. So Ashi Yotzar the chachma, That's Yosef Sadik. That's Yosef. That's the Neshama in the Guf, and the Bracha V'LaKain Hashem Neshasat B'Toyri, which is Chiasa Mesim, That's Yaakovinu. Yaakovinu Loim And that's what's going on every morning when you say Ashi and V'LaKain Hashem, you're being Yachid. You're connecting those two worlds of who you are: the Neshama in the guf, and the Neshama that's above the Guf giving you the strength to, to enter into the day and to influence the world around you and not be influenced by it. That's the Avaida. So I'll just end off quickly with a, it's a, it's a famous mashal. I'm sure i said it a million times already. So just the Chazer though, there's a famous statement from the Mizr- Mizritcha Magid, that he said, what is a Yid? He said the following moshua, he said, there was once a king, and he tells his general that I have a mission for you, that in the far-flung end of my uh, kingdom there's a particular civilization, and they're living like a bunch of Bahamas. They don't know what it means to be a yid. Uh, t- 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 i already getting to the nimshal. Uh, they don't know what it means to be uh, part of a normal civilized, civilized, civilized uh, kingdom. So you have to go there and teach them the ways of royalty. So he says, Hinani, I'm a Kabul, fine, I'll do it, but I'm concerned if I have to, to do this, I have to live amongst them to get to befriend them and so on, and I'm afraid they're gonna influence me. So said the, said the king to the general, okay, fine, so stay here. He says, no, no, no I, I'm happy to go. I'm just asking for an etzah. So the king says, okay, so go there. So, uh, so the king says, you have to be in two places at once. You have to have a foot over there. You have to have a foot over here. There has to be a part of you that's there in order to fix. But, you ha- but in order to fix, you have to remember that you're not from there. You have to have a, part, a part, one foot out the door. So that means to be a yid. A yid means Yaakov, Yaisef. It means that your job is to fix this world. And in order to fix this world, you have to be part of the world. That's what Yiddishkeit is. We're not the Amish, right? We don't. Uh, the Amish they also just sound, they pretend not to be part of the world. Also, they also you know, they have WhatsApp statuses too, you know. So it's, it's all it's all collector But we don't we don't claim to be like that. We're part of the world. We're we're here to be to be misak in the world. No, but in order to be mitsak in the world, you have to remember that you're not from the world, and that's the job okay. of a Jew. And that we're mechazik ourselves every day with Ashi Yotzar. Especially this week's parasha, Where Kal Yisrael are going into Mitzrayim Where it's such a strong union This week's parasha, to go, You're going into gulfs, We're entering into the into the world But to remember that we're talking not from here The more we can remember that The more we can remember that we took an oath Just like Yosef, We took an oath To remind ourselves To bury Yaakov in Eretz Yisrael The more we'll have the strength To be misak in Israel By having one foot in And one foot out Hashem the same we have a rubber beast called setting merry manual on